Geek Shock. Geek Shock. Geek Shock. Coin operated boy sitting on the shelf. He is just a toy, but I turn him on and he comes to life. Automatic joy. That is why I want a coin operated boy. You never really know for sure. I want mm-hmm. you, I want you all to know that I'm doing this show in absolute protest. I'm why? I, I, against my better judgment. Oh. Uh-huh. Cuz Mass Effect Andromeda is here. Oh, oh my. Um so yeah. Fuck you all. Uh, I like what would you do what you do this weekend geek? I I played uh, some Andromeda and I'm going to do that right now. So that's the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Did what, you finish Luke Cage, though? If, what's, if, what's your weekend geek? Write to us. Comments yeah. at I Yeah, write to us. Com- comments at I don't give a fuck.com. Because <laughs> Andromeda is way more important to me right now. Ah, I see. That's I, I did find it amusing. The uh, the Geek Shock alt facts was like, uh, because Torgo doesn't think Jeff can run the board. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's like, newsflash, I actually have done that. Yes, he has. A couple of times. I remember. Yes. I was here. I don't know that I would necessarily remember how to do it at this point since it's been so long. That was so a long, fun night. Mm. Was it a fun night? I, I don't remember it. I read the I read the news. He read the cold. news. Yes, yes, he did. It was oh, fun. Yes. Yeah. Only stumbled over a couple of names as opposed to all of the names, <laughs> like some people. <laughs> what are you saying, man? What are you saying? I think I said it quite succinctly just now. <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 380. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Back check, Dandy. And we're to talk weekend geek. Yeah, we lost Matt again. Yes, he, he's he's the on again, off again Canadian. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's got a bit of the the strep. Ah, so uh, he didn't come. Thank God. So somebody told him to shut his ignorant mouth. <laughs> <laughs> for our, all of our sakes. Gotcha. Tell him to go back to Canada for Maybe that free health care. Eh? But you know what I did this week and what I'm yes. about to do while these guys talk. Uh, what geeky things you do this week, guys? I went to Nerdesque. Nerdesque? Nerdesque. Nerdlesque. Nerdesque. Nerdlesque. Oh, that's like a, like a burlesque. Nerdy, nerdy, nerdy burlesque. burlesque. Oh, I like it already. I, I watched a woman strip to uh, Princes of the Universe while dressed as Connor McCloud. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's awesome. That's it something was, special. It was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. That's was it was a, was it like good? Like she did a good job. Yeah, she was very good. Because I mean, she just, actually was clothed for most of it. Okay, she actually had a duel with a Kurgan. A guy came out with a Kurgan and had okay. a duel. And then the last minute of the song, something whoop whoop whoop. That's gone. That's gone. And then she's naked. Well, okay, there we go. She could have come out and just said what she was gonna do, and it would have been awesome. And then just walked off the stage because mm-hmm. I was like, it's like. There, the thoughts out there. Right, exactly. Boom, you're done. Like right. mic drop. Mm-hmm. But uh, wow. Yep. Congrats. Yep. What other performers were there besides? Uh, there was Highlanders. A woman who calls herself Neon, the last showgirl, who was a very tall black woman with short hair, so she was perfect for doing Vixen. So she did a number of dresses, uh, Vixen from the DC. Okay. Um, let's see. What else was? Somebody did a Harry Potter thing. Makes sense. Um, it was, it was uh, both Harry Potter con- strip. Yeah, she was dressed in a little, you know, schoolgirl outfit, but it was Harry Potter schoolgirl outfit. Oh, so she could have been uh, Hermione then. It could have, been. or or a any female. She would have been what, Hermione with a few too many donuts. Um, oh. <laughs> so what what school was she in? Oh, good God! What question? I yeah. think she what was house? in Gryffindor. Gryffindor, if I remember right. Oh, uh, you know, just like let's go for the obvious one. Yeah. 
Well, you know, this is Slytherins that are really dirty. So, girl, you know what? Do now, your research. You know what? Slytherin's green, right? Yeah, it might have been Slytherin. Oh, okay, it. It might have been a little better. Yeah, yeah. She's a keeper. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what position she plays. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just you know, it's a whole night of. It was only an hour long, but it was. Well, by it was description, well worth it. she was a bludger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I do like that about like burlesque as opposed to the shows on the strip. Absolutely. Because like, it's like, oh, there's all the body types you could ever imagine right there, mostly naked. Glorious. Doing cool stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. And where was this? Uh, this is at Artifice. It's every okay. third Wednesday, third third Saturday of every month. Okay, so this is a monthly, a monthly thing. Yeah, it's happened to be a mostly DC themed <laughs> one. Sorry. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Took me a second. <laughs> So this was your first time going. Though. First time going. I've, okay. I've seen it existed for a while. I've, I, I keep bet it. You know, something always happens. So I couldn't make it. You know, first time I I'm, just I'm curious pop in. if they, they they switch it up. You know, like I said this was more DC themed. Yeah, no, this, it's a different show every week. Did every they, they announce a theme? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's it's a Facebook group. It's it's Nerdesk. Nerdesk the face. Nerdesk or Nerdlesk? I'm trying to remember which one it is. One or the other. I'm gonna guess Nerdlesk. Nerdlesk. Way to go. Hard to say. Hard to say, but spelling wise, it seems like yeah. it'd be better. Somebody out there has to fact check, fact check right. this again. <laughs> God damn it. Maybe Mac could, oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> what else to do, guys? Uh, I've played more Horizon Zero Dawn. Yes, you have did. still not played <laughs> Resident Evil 7. It says a hell of a lot about Horizon Zero Dawn. It's a very interesting world. And I like uncovering. I have found, uh, I know I've told Torgo this, but I've found that I'm more interested in. Uh, doing the missions where you discover more about the the world before than the actual like mission missions so the thing about your character in this is she has this little earpiece that's attached to her ear but allows her to see in a technological visual realm yeah gotcha. and there are certain points that you can climb to where you can look through this ear slash eyepiece and see the past as it was. Yeah, like a pre-recorded oh, memory, kind of cool. basically. Because yeah, I know initially I said that that has like the British aspects of you know I thought it was you know yeah. this was London gone past, but it looks like it's Colorado as we're playing along. And really? the area I just entered apparently is Utah. Okay, okay. So I'm like Colorado and Utah. Okay, heading so towards I don't know. Vegas. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I don't know. I haven't mm. got that far into it yet because I've spent so many hours on the. Uh, the just the initial areas that I haven't really expanded up until just now. I mean, just yesterday before I went to bed, uh, into some of the newer undiscovered areas. So, should be interesting going forward. I'm yeah, having fun with it. Yeah, I played a bit of it as well this week, and yeah, it's, it maintains my interest. Of course, sorry, Horizons. Um, mm-hmm. I'll come back to you later. What else you do, guy? <clears throat> I started Iron Fist. You started yeah. Iron Fist, the, but the we won't third talk, of the Netflix. But we won't talk about the next week when all of you guys have watched it also. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'll be amazed <laughs> if I haven't watched by next week. Yeah. I'm, by I'm, next year. I'm, I'm not sure what episode I'm in, but I'm into it fairly fairly far. Uh, I, I know it's getting panned by the critics. Yep. I know fans are enjoying it to a point. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts so far? I will say they've captured exactly the feeling I had from the comic book. Which was that I really enjoy this, and I know I shouldn't because I can see the flaws. I can, <laughs> I, I can see. I can see they could have done this better. They could have done this better, and I'm still kind of, kind of enjoying it. And I, that was the way it was with the book. It's like I don't something about the concept. Gets so they me. nailed it then, pretty much. Yeah, 
Um, and which is funny because you know it's not like he's wearing the costume or anything, right? But the feels there. Um, it's not a superhero movie. It's part of, it's part of, which is probably has thrown a lot of people. Okay, it, it's basically a martial arts film. Okay, I, I guess that makes sense. I never read the Iron Fist comic books. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing I knew about Iron Fist growing up was his description from the Marvel. Uh, was Encyclopedia? it TS- West End Games or TSR's oh, role game, playing game, game oh, oh, back oh. in the eighties? Right. Yeah. Oh, so, right, right. So that's the because that game came with both Power Man and Iron Fist as characters, right? And I'm really looking forward to seeing those two get together. Now, after this, this is the last one before Defenders, right? Right. Okay. And and Josh Ellis, who's a local blogger, uh, said. I really can't wait till Iron Fist gets together with the rest of the Defenders. So in case Jessica Jones sees somebody to open the door that she doesn't want to open up or somebody else. Get, just, just, just this brutal, brutal thing about how useless he was. And it's like, ah. Oh. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, but it's, yeah. They're obviously setting up that uh, the Defenders will be going against the hand. Right. There's a lot of setup in this, and that's, that's one of the problems. It doesn't have the same dynamic stuff that the other ones did the the, the cinematography is not as good i don't think the second episode is brilliant no oh. the second episode is just really yeah i hear it doesn't pick up to like the third well the second episode is is again totally not superhero the second episode kind of spoiler he, he spends oh, the entire second it. he spends the entire watched. second episode in a mental asylum okay and it's not like, you know, this cartoon mental asylum where there's all these people putting him in rubber rooms and slamming on him. It's people trying to help somebody who's claiming to have come from a mystical city and been gone for 15 years and claiming to be somebody who everybody thinks is dead. And it's like they were all being perfectly rational about it. They're all like, you know, they've got him on the medications because he has been punching people because he's got a bit sure. of a violent streak. Yeah, everything the people in the mental institution are doing, for the most part, make perfect sense. And... It'd be kind of fun to just run the whole thing where, is he crazy or isn't he? But it's only for the one, one episode. Well, it is it's it is fun that way. I mean, they're, they're really rounding out a lot of the, the characters throughout. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, the little turnaround they do with Ward is fun. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah the, um, there are some characters that seem very cartoony at first. And then, like, oh, well, there's a depth I didn't see. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're 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 Marvel Netflix has definitely found its formula. It's found how it does its approach, and and Iron Fist is it may be suffering from uh, following that formula or trying to get is, away from this it. Is, no, this is where it's all coming together. We know what we're doing now, and 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 so it it kind of you know it's a bridge story too, it and really, that too it's a it bridge. is it's, it's building towards the defenders. Yeah. I and mean, that, that makes for a rougher. Yeah, yeah. There's no Daredevil, there's no Jessica Jones <clears throat> or Luke Cage. Although, of course, all names have been dropped. Mm-hmm. Right. But you can see where it's all. You can see the lines starting yeah. to converge, and you can see that. You can see the forces gathering. Yeah. In fact, there's a couple bits where you go. Now would be a good time to bring in Luke Cage. It would. That would be a good time to bring <laughs> yeah. in Daredevil. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there are there are, there is stuff like yeah. that. How far are you in? Episode nine. Okay, so you're more than halfway. I'm probably about the same place. All yeah. right, and we still haven't finished. Uh, well, he hasn't finished uh, Luke Cage, and I still haven't started that mm-hmm. or watched uh, Jessica Jones. So. <laughs> As I said with Luke Cage, this yeah. is the weakest of now Iron Fist so far. 
excuse me, without having finished it is the weakest of them. Okay. But I haven't finished it yet. But it's also head and shoulders above um, most of the DC stuff. And there aren't huge logic flaws in it like there are in the DC stuff. There okay. isn't stuff you go, why would somebody do that? And it's like, oh, well, then they all, all, everything makes sense. It's just. I don't mind any choice as long as there's thought behind it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really funny, too, because you have you definitely get that. Oh, he's Green Arrow. Because the parallels are definitely. Sure are. Yep. They're really, 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 oh, really? really there. Hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And but at the same time, in many ways, this show does deeper and with more thought that kind of story. Mm. So hmm. like the, the insane asylum thing, which, you know, was really there. You do get a little moment there of despair. Like, wow, how, how is he going to get out of this? Right. This yeah. really sucks. You begin to think about yourself in there. Like what oh. if that was me? Mm-hmm. Well, that I sounds like something done right. Fucked. Yeah. Like I said, that second episode is, is so far has been the high point. The second episode was really good. I don't know. Second episode and the high point of nine. nine well, we're, yeah. we're only we're, quick, quick peak. I think I think Kirsten are at the same point and they're building towards a major uh, mid-season cliffhanger. This is what thirteen episodes. I yep. don't know. I haven't okay. actually looked. There's I've been 13. trying to be surprised. All right. Too late. Spoiler alert, Andy. Damn it! Yeah, I gotta I gotta finish the Cage Man first. I, yeah. I, I, I feel like I, I've skipped something to watch this if I hadn't. So. Yeah, no, you, no, 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 no. You, you yeah. want to see Cage first. No, no, no. Because yeah. there is... There is crossover. Claire shows up. Okay. And so there is there is enough uh, little bits and pieces mentioned. That, and so uh, does uh, uh, Hogue. Hog? Hogue? Hogarth. Hogan. That's it. Yeah, Carrie ah. Moss. Carrie Moss is back in it, yeah. All right. Well, this week I skipped uh, Netflix, went over to the Amazon Prime and fiddled around in there for a little while to see what was there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Came across a documentary called uh, Pulp Fiction, The Golden Age of Storytelling. Uh, 90, I don't think it's even 90 minutes. I think it's a 60-minute documentary Mm -hmm. about the history of Pulp, the Pulps, Pulp Fiction, 20s, 30s. Although as I continued on in it, it, I noticed something bizarre. And I I went like looking and and digging deep to see if I, I could find what I was feeling mm-hmm. because there is a lot of reverence to L. Ron Hubbard in this. Ah, a lot of it. And I, and I went searching for names to see are these names attached to Scientology right. and so mm-hmm. on. And I really couldn't find anything overt, but a lot of the images, for, I think they mentioned Lovecraft once mm-hmm. in this and L. Ron Hubbard at the end of it, they go like a whole segment into his writers of the future line of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I will say that uh, Lovecraft in his time was popular, but not so popular that he wasn't a huge name until after he was sure. revived. Yeah, no. Sure. And then it's, it's, and. But, but if it, they didn't go dance all over Howard, if they had that, they mean that. Yeah. Really, they, if you're talking pulps, it should be a lot of Howard. They barely mention Howard. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, it. It, yeah, the most popular weird tales, right? The most popular was Seabury Quinn, mm-hmm. which nobody yeah. knows now. And and so, is Cordwainer Bird in that group too, or was he doing other stuff? Uh, he's he's uh, I think he's more of a novelist. Okay, but now, I, well, the only thing I've read of his is a collection of short stories. That's what uh-huh. I was wondering. As an interviewee, there's a strong presence of Ray Bradbury. He's a part of this. That's another important one. But he's still he's still alive, right? Uh, not anymore. No, but who's, 
This is uh, this Probably. is not this is not a new documentary. But, oh, okay. And, and this it's it's distributed by UFO TV, and I looked them up too to see what they're about. And this is the only documentary in their entire pantheon of distribution documentaries that isn't uh, UFO and mm-hmm. and Illuminati and nut based. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't a wow. It wasn't a horrible documentary. Mm-hmm. In fact, the first half was a nice overview of what pulps were and 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 how they didn't get paid and mm-hmm. and, yeah. and and Frederick Pohl was in it. I mean, there's names in it. Yep, there are. But it just was so weird. Like even uh, oh, I can't remember his name. Shoot, uh, the guy that. Uh, I think he was helping with the Dune books, the new Dune books. Kevin J. Anderson. Kevin J. Anderson is in it. Uh, but even the Kevin J. Anderson, the set that he is on when he's doing his interview, all the books behind them are L. Ron Hubbard books. Yeah. And, and including like ones that aren't even Pulp Fiction, like like Fear, you know, mm-hmm. his 80s horror story. You know, it's... I... It's got to be... There's got to be money from them at least. Yeah. yeah. It's it, it's just as it's you went on, it just it just became more overt as yeah. it went. I mean, he was a he was a he was a prolific yeah. pulp writer, and they and they make the and they say that they do a whole and the one of the most prolific writers was L. Ron Hubbard, yeah. and they don't mention Scientology at all. Which, don't even which touch should on be it. a smart way to do it if you're yeah. So well, they do that with Writers of the Future, that's published by Bridge Publications, and all affiliation connection with Scientology is is not mentioned. Sure, and so, and it's Galaxy Press that does all of L. Ron Hubbard's right uh, publishing on his sci-fi and his, mm-hmm. his old pulp stories, and Galaxy Press is interviewed in this as well as one of the the publishers of that company is in it. Oh god! So yeah, so I recommend it. Just be aware you're going to get some Hubbard. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, there's a, a little Hubbard. area over by the airport when I'm writing stories. I, I like triple check stuff when I'm writing about that area because the Unification Church owns a couple of the buildings. I'm like. <laughs> well, let me go a little deep and see behind this and now this. And it's not that I won't write about the Unification Church. I've written about them, but I don't want to, you know, be writing exclusively for that area. Sure. Yeah. Now, what brought me to Amazon in the first place is because we talked about Amazon doing their pilot season. Mm-hmm. And we talked about the two shows they were doing, Oasis and uh, the Adventures of Master... I can't, it's a long... I remember the long title, the, the, yeah. The, the Las Vegas superhero that right, right. tries to balance his life as a superhero without powers and his day job and family. And so I was like, hey, you know what, I'll check these out. Um, Oasis was a pretty decent show. That first episode, it, it brought me in, and that's the one that's with the religious overtones, the priest that joins up. Mm-hmm. and uh, The one that we red lit? Yeah, the one that's, that was red lit. And the lead guy is the guy that I played. I think he played Rob Stark in uh, Game of Thrones. So, you know, good pedigree. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when it was all done, I really enjoyed that show. I would like to see more. Hmm. Hmm. The other show, I think I made halfway through before I said, I'm done with this. Oh, that bad, huh? Yeah. Wow. I, I just couldn't anymore. I'm like, oh. And that's you, the one we greenlit. This isn't is the it? one that was greenlit. Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> right. Because of the Vegas connection, too, right? It was the Vegas connection that was part of it. But of course, you know, this whole idea of the the guy who wants to be the superhero that isn't and oh it's just the the character just does, was not interesting does it look at least like it was filmed in vegas yes it, okay. it, it was filmed in vegas there's okay. no doubt about it at least i would say probably all of it mm-hmm. i wouldn't be surprised <laughs> at least all of no. it i would I, because i was trying to watch for it's like what here is seems set but seemed very gorilla yeah they had that had that uh you know how they that they might not new have style documentary license. style yeah. feel mm-hmm. of of fiction, right? Yeah. 
So nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've my friend Doug Citizen that I mentioned last week. Uh, star was well, he was in the top three billing for a trauma film called Creep. Okay, that I own, and I awesome. haven't watched more than ten minutes of it because it is so painfully bad. <laughs> wow, you very good friend. I can't make bad it. for a and, trauma and I film. Him, and he's like, yeah, no, sorry, don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they they picked up distribution rights after it was filmed. It was oh, I see. Yeah, well, a lucky few. Oh yeah, we few, we lucky few. What else you do, guys? Oh, we played that new uh, um, uh, uh, Black Ops. Black Ops 3. Any good? Well, you know. Frustrating. You, you play the zombie version. Right? Yeah. and no. it, 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 Well, it's frustrating because, as you know, Matt would always complain about us liking Call of Duty Black Ops. Um, <clears throat> the It's really made for Xbox One. And the Xbox 360 version, which oh. is what we were playing, no campaign, no... Nothing like that. It has the multiplayer versus bots and the zombies, but it is all one player, one machine. The multiplayer is all online. Oh, you can't do split screen. We could split screen or LAN. Xbox. Well, we could LAN. But on Xbox, you can't. On the other PlayStation... A couple other systems. Xbox One, PlayStation 4, the the newer systems. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We... I looked it up online, and it's like um, <clears throat> a multi a split screen available on PS3, Xbox One, PS4, da 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 everything but Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. It was oh, just geez. like you motherfucker. <laughs> and, and I feel like I, at this point I should mention that Kirsten has been crying about this all week. He has laryngitis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. Sounds like it's time to upgrade, Kirsten. <laughs> Yeah, your, your throat. I'll, I'll get you. Know, the, the, the X bone. Oh, oh, yeah. I'll get right on that. <laughs> yeah. uh, we mentioned uh, Geek Shock Alt Facts. Uh, the, yes, the Twitter handle that's very creative. Uh, just creating these wonderful things. Um, I was outright guffawing at some of them earlier. Today. Wow. And and they, uh, the person that created it, put a pin tweet at the top, and I just wanted to share it because it's just so awesome. It is. Go for awesome. it. Um, says, I started doing this alt-facts thing on a whim. My only motivation was to give back in some way to the six, now five, guys who bring us an hour and a half of quality podcast love every week. Just a bit of random goofball shenanigans to maybe give them a chuckle. Along the way, I picked up other shock monkeys as followers. That was unintended, but certainly welcome. If something I post makes your day better in some way, awesome. I also realize this now gives me something a small scale platform. This is me using that platform. If any of these wackadoodle posts have made you smile, do me a favor. Thank me by going out and doing something for a stranger. Donate blood. Thank a vet or civil service responder for their service and give them a solid handshake or a hug. Go talk to your aging neighbor who lives alone and just be a friend for a few minutes every now and then. Take some of your meh comics taking up space in your boxes and give them to some random kids. Make a casserole for your local firehouse. Whatever. Just do something that makes a complete stranger's day a little bit better. A little kindness makes a big impact. Be the big impact. Thanks. Geek Shock Alt Facts, that's amazing. Damn. Absolutely. I got all the feels now. So and 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 I wanna kind of co opt that a little bit, because I know there's plenty of you out there that want to support us on Patreon. 
Um, just don't try co-op on 360 for Blops 3. Right. Because yeah, don't do that. None. Uh, in, in lieu of that, um, follow the advice of Geek Shock Alt Facts. When you want to do something for us, do something for a stranger. That's really awesome. Well, now, wait a minute. <laughs> Kirsten's like, I got to get paid, yo. <laughs> I said it before. You want to set it up and do it? I am fine with it. I'm just not doing it. Uh, so, all yeah, facts, you thank that. you for that. That's really awesome. And uh, I do want to remind everybody that uh, the Geek Shock Book Club, we're still discussing Good Omens, uh, but we've also put up the... Uh, post for nominations for april's book so if you have an idea for a book for april by all means uh, join us and nominate and uh, i just want to also remind everybody because it's awesome and it's going away soon uh the lovecraft story bundle at storybundle.com uh is uh, still available and it's like 15 bucks for like 15 books so refresh everyone's member on that especially uh, me story bundle uh like humble bundle is a place where you name your own price to get a set of books in electronic case, electronic books and it work and they work for all systems whether it's a kindle kobo nook or you read them on your phone uh but it is digital mm-hmm. and it's a name your price and some of that you can set to go to uh charity and then you set a percentage of how much you want to go to story bundle and how much you want to go to the authors that's all up to you and you can donate as little as i think a dollar and then I think at that point you get like 10 books. And then if once you go to higher tiers, I think the highest tier is $15, mm-hmm. then you get all of them. And all the books in this selection. And there's another whole selection, too, mm-hmm. that's not just this Lovecraft one. But this one is all Lovecraft. A bunch of books of short stories, a bunch of novels. So if you like Lovecraft, I definitely recommend checking it out. And check out Story Bundle anyway. Uh, I, I like to go in there about every week just to see what's coming up. I've bought a lot of books off oh. that thing. I was going to let it drop there, but you said a bunch of novels. So they're not all by Lovecraft, or are they? Uh... No, these none of these are by Lovecraft. Oh, none of all, them. They are all inspired they're by. all inspired by. Uh, okay. It was curated by Nick Mamatas, okay. uh, who did I Am Providence, mm-hmm. uh, which was the first Geek Shock book mm-hmm. club book. Um, and he is a well-known Lovecraftian writer. Right. So he's the curator of this group. All right. So. so the problem with doing the podcast is some of the stuff goes right past you. It does. <laughs> Absolutely. It goes past me, and I've got notes. Yeah. So, so I, I, I feel your pain. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, one thing I wanted to mention, actually two things. Give me two. <clears throat> Give me two. But I noticed this. I showed this to Andy. Uh, I noticed on uh, YouTube, mm-hmm. there's this one channel, Militarily History Visualized. And it's like this German guy. Uh, who talks about military history, and he has little visual uh, describers to go with it as he talks through things. And he'll talk about, you know, uh, why did the Japanese air forces fail in World War II? Battle of Stalingrad, blah, blah, blah. And he had this one interesting one, what do computer games get wrong about war? Ooh. And I was like, "Eh, this sounds interesting. So I was watching it. And it was really interesting because he is talking about, you know, in uh, computer games, they, they ignore a lot of things. And he, he, he talks about resource management, how in actual combat, it, it isn't necessarily point and click. You, you don't necessarily know what's going on on your side. Fog of war that some computer games will incorporate is really not 
even like the fog of war in reality. And I imagine he, that'd be hard to simulate all the stuff. Exactly. About but in he, general, it was really interesting because halfway through he hits this point. He calls information control, getting information from your side, getting information on the other side and complete command control. In computer games, you click on your units and you say, go attack there and they go. Um, and you can do it without regards to, uh, you know, casualties, whatever. But in real war, you may have misinformation, miscommunication. You might have uh, a delegated chain of command that resists orders or screws them up, slows things down. Stuff is not instantaneous. And he goes, computer games kind of give you this instant control over situations where you just point and click and say do and it gets done. And he goes, maybe that's why more and more people are becoming attracted to dictatorship. I don't know. <laughs> and then he just keeps talking. And I'm like, holy shit. Wouldn't that be something if the modern computer age actually has a little something to do with the growing fondness of authoritarianism that we're seeing in the world today. That's an interesting thought. It was really, really it was a little bone chilling because just like, wow, because, you know, Internet, computers, this is supposed to be democratizing. This is supposed to be opening up things for everybody. But if you study, when you accurately study history and look at the fascist revolutions of the early 20th century, it was all populist. Yeah. It was all reaching out to the people and getting their support. And then once you consolidated power, fuck the people. So it 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 was actually a very interesting thought and made an interesting point about computers. That's really interesting. What's it, the name of the military channel history visualized? I forget the actual channel name. He is this he's this German guy who just talks about you know, <laughs> and he, he goes on about it all. But he, it's pretty good. They're short. He's always busting out 10 to 20 minutes, usually averaging 15-minute bits. So it's not even like he, he really pushes the depth. It's good breakdowns. Huh. He also cites his sources like crazy. Nice. Next, Comic Book Girl 19 reviews Logan. Oh, I, I enjoy her stuff anyway. So, yes. So why her take on Logan? She liked it, but she didn't love it. Okay. Now she's going through and talking about it, and she said she's identifying from a female perspective, and she identifies with the girl. So she gets really frustrated with Logan. And it was really interesting, because she's like, what are you doing? Why aren't, just be a man, get up there, do a man thing, embrace her, say yes, you're my father, but you don't do this, you don't help the kids. At the end, you sleep in. What are you doing? You don't go out until you realize they're going to be attacked. I mean, Jesus, Logan, what do you have to do? Fucking nothing. Go out and help, you know? <laughs> and I watched this with Kirsten, and she does kind of sound like Kirsten does right now. Yeah. She's, yeah. she's losing it. Yeah, she is. And it was funny. It was almost like a girlfriend losing her shit. Then she goes, but then I, I got my feedback from my Twitter followers, and there are some men who are saying... They identify with Logan from a male perspective, particularly veterans. You got guys who are like ex-Marines. And they said Logan has definitely got some form of PTSD going on. Oh, yeah. I could tell that right away. And she then says these Marine guys are like, 
you know, you've got to understand we fought the war. We've been through it. We're very tired. Yeah. And we see this other war coming. And we have no idea if we have the strength to fight that one. And then she loses it right there in the recording. And she just starts crying. And she she just and takes time to recover herself and pull it together to talk about how sad she is for these guys who have gone out and fought and are done and don't know if they can do any more fighting even though they see what's coming on the horizon. Yeah, and that's and that's in many cases you know you're talking about veterans that have come back from not necessarily losing efforts but from you know victories too still having that that notion of okay, I went, I fought, I did my part. Now they want me to do it again. I just I can't do it. But you're talking about in in the case of Logan, you know, Yes, he's a fictional character, and we don't want to necessarily equate, you know, what he's going through to an actual veteran. But, you know, he was part of a, you know, clearly a losing effort. Yeah. And not only did he lose, you know, the the war, but he lost all of his friends, yep, which she, is very, you know, common. She hits in, on all of that. In, but that's what you in do in battle, it. and you know, and then you know, here he is being now faced with going through that again. For this new mm-hmm. wave of of mutants, and right. he just like it's just yeah. he he's clearly closing in, you know, closing up ranks. Mm-hmm. Does not want to interact with. I mean, hell, you, you could even see it in the interactions with Charles Xavier. There, it's mm-hmm. like it's you know, here's somebody that he truly cares about, but in many ways he doesn't want to even deal with him. And she points that up. It's like she she can you know in many ways Charles is so broken. Caliban and Logan are essentially just waiting for him to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're caring for him and taking care of him until he finally dies. Yeah. And, you know, then she continues to kind of like lose it. Yeah, I got the impression that was not her first take and she'd lost it worse on previous takes. Maybe. Yeah. Because there was a bit of a jump in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she might have cut out. But yeah, what you're saying, not wanting to equate it with the real veterans. Yeah. I mean, that's what good fiction does is address no, yeah. real world issues in oh, ways yeah. that are more palatable to the public. Oh yeah. I yeah. Am, and I get that. And I, and you know, I understand that's the, the product of good storytelling is to, so to I, highlight an issue. But I, I definitely recommend if you get a chance, look up comic girl, girl 19 uh, reviews, Logan with all the feels as she says, <laughs> And it's 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 actually very touching. Yeah, her channel is great anyway. She's usually has really good breakdowns of comic pop culture. Have you watched her? Uh, G- what does she call it? Genius creators or great creators? She's starting that. She's doing a new series where oh. she's just talking about individuals, and her, she starts off with Frank Frazetta. Huh? No, I doing a history doing of now. that. Next up will be Gene Roddenberry. This is great. Nice. Yeah, and she's yeah. It, she does a pretty good job because she gets kind of thorough. Yes, she does. It's it, it's like a thirty-five minute, forty-minute bit where she talks about Frazetta. Who the hell's going to listen to something more than you know thirty minutes? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Roddenberry. Fools, I tell you, fools. Is probably going to be an interesting one because a lot of people don't know about all the work that he did prior to Star Trek. Right. 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 And she. And even and then the multitude of failures 
after Star yeah, Trek she, that he went through until Next Generation. It'll came be interesting around. to see what she fully touches on, because it one of her teasers, she actually says, "You don't have to have watched one single episode or one single movie. You hear the phrase Star Trek, you know what it is. Yeah, that's how much it's permeated the popular culture, and that's something. Hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. true." Before I continue with the show, I do want to remind everybody the live Geek Shock happens on April 1st at the uh, Green Valley Library here in Las Vegas. Not and, in the and it will happen. That's it's not Henderson. an April Fool's. Right, exactly. That's I was about to Green say. Green Valley mm-hmm. Library in Henderson. In Henderson. I, I think if you type in Green Valley Library, yes. Las Vegas, you'll find it. Mm-hmm. That'll work. It might come up. <laughs> but we go on at noon. So if you can, join us. If not, we are recording the show, so you will have an audio version of that show available to you. For are we going to... And Matt, please Maddie's be kind. We're going to find us... some way to live stream video so people can watch... Uh, no promises. Uh, I, have, I have nobody to do it. Yeah. So. And please be kind to some of us that will have worked late the night before and... Don't normally get up before noon. So be, be cruel. Be <laughs> absolutely cruel. I insist. Thanks. Appreciate that. Remember hot pepper. Oh, the hot pepper's happening. Oh yeah. Yeah. Matt's yeah. not here to negate it. So yeah. that'll wake uh, that'll wake Jeff right up. Right. <laughs> that might fix his strep throat. That's <laughs> true. It mm. probably would burn it right out. <laughs> or his larynx. Cauter, cauterize his throat. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see an ENT with a red hot poker. Like, all right, this is how we do it nowadays. <laughs> Open wide. <laughs> nowadays. Red, red hot poker or red hot pepper? Red hot poker. Caught a better. I like yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's do a little mail before we continue on. Uh, hey, guys. Love the pod. Uh, Canadian here from Sudbury, Ontario. Mm-hmm. Where is that? Yeah, nobody knows. I do. Matt would know. <laughs> but he's not here. And I want to know, I want, and you want to know how emotive Johnny Cash's rendition of Hurt is? All you had to say was, Johnny Cash is hurt, and I want to cry. Mm-hmm. Oh. One, one thing you guys didn't mention. Yes, you talked about June Carter dying, you, uh, but also his childhood home and Johnny Cash Museum burned down. Right. Fuck yeah. So it kills me every time I hear the words... And you can have it all, my empire of dirt. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go cry now. Love the show, guys. Going to miss Paul, but it's good to clean the fridge every once in a while, you know. <laughs> all the best from Sud- Sudbury, Ontario, eh? Mo. Thank you. for It's <laughs> such a That's powerful right. song. Yeah. In both really forms, is. but yeah. In his form, especially. Uh, okay, one more. And this is quite a question. So, so I'll give you a few moments to think about it. All right. Well, hello, you nerdy fucks, twats, cunts, and poop sniffers. You can decide who is who. Andy's a poop sniffer. I think so, too. That's what I'm Probably. Can't. That's, that's, I'm going for um, twats. I want to be the twats. Damn it. Yeah. I just wanted to go for the twats. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nobody's stopping him going for the twats. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just checking in with you and wanted to let you know I'm still here. Although I'm not remixing or fucking around with the podcast, I am still listening to it. As I always do, I would like to pose a question for you. The question is, what tabletop game would you choose to live the rest of your life in if you had to? Because you pissed off some witch or wizard. Yikes. Now, thanks again. Not doing anything in your faces because that's part of the other diabetic podcast, Croak the DJ. Right. Not an easy question. Candyland. 
I thought about Candyland, Man. but that's a treacherous place. Yeah, when you get, if yeah, you, if you get in that board, that's that's some nasty yeah. swampland. Mm. Steer clear of that. Game of Life. Mousetrap. I thought about mm. that. I, I was trying to think of what the safest one yeah. would be. The, mm-hmm. the, the one I could come up with was Careers. I don't know if you're familiar with that board game at all. Yeah. I vaguely remember it. But basically the whole, whole thing is you trying to gain money and popularity in the career of your choice, astronaut, superstar. I'm like... Yeah, it's pretty much life, but with a guaranteed uh, payout. So I'll, I'll take that one as far as a safe one. How about There's... mystery date? <laughs> mystery <laughs> date. But you have to live the rest of your life in this. Think about that. Yeah, a different woman every night. Uh, or, or, or. <laughs> 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 well, there goes Andy going or for man. the twat. A fine answer then, I guess. So. <laughs> um, so I'm like, okay, let's not play safe. Let's just go ahead. If you're going to go out, go out big and hard. So, Pardon me? Yeah. <laughs> That's what she said. So I'm choosing Arkham Horror. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. wow. No, I, I would expect you to have chosen Betrayal. <laughs> on, uh, Betrayal on Haunted Hill? Yeah. yeah. Uh, just because Arkham Horror, it's nearly impossible to beat. True. Right? And you're either going to die horribly or go horribly insane. Mm. So uh, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out looking into the eyes of Cthulhu. That. That makes all the sense. Well, if we're gonna go that angle, then I'll live in I'll live in legendary. Oh yeah, yeah. You legendary won't last long being in that. The, the Marvel uh, collect, uh, not no the Marvel uh, deck builder. Deck game. builder. There we go. Mm-hmm. That's another one that's hard to defeat. So so you're gonna die at the hands of a supervillain uh, versus mine of the old gods. No, you don't die. You get KO'd. Oh, there right. you go. So at least if I die, it's it's for real. But KO is just going to happen to you over and over again. Yeah, mm. maybe so. uh, Star Trek the video, <laughs> board, uh, the VCR board game. Remember, you guys, remember wow. that? Wow. Although since it is a VCR board game, yeah. I got a feeling that's a heavy time loop for the rest of your life. Right. I wonder if anybody's converted that onto DVD yet, because I I kept meaning to do that with my copy, and I can't find it I can now. almost guarantee you it's probably not on DVD, but I'll probably bet you that YouTube. video is on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Could be. Yeah, I'll have to look that up. We, speak, I'm, I'm, I will uh, tell you the video game I actually do live. Video game you the live? The video board game okay, I okay. actually do that live. That you currently live? Trivial Pursuit. <laughs> no, that's true. Uh, that's, uh, I was trying to see how that worked to live in that game. I, I just couldn't, my brain couldn't wrap around a life in there it's mm-hmm. just so esoteric uh but bringing up the vh vcr games the the great machinations of the 80s uh, my parents had a vcr board game of bingo so we it was it came with all the bingo cards but it had the bingo caller was on vhs so it was the same numbers over and over mm. again so <laughs> so <laughs> if you knew if you played it enough at least that first round Mm-hmm. Because you know you lose interest by two and three, sure, and it probably had about fifteen games called on yeah. it. So, but yeah, but you could guarantee yourself a win. Yep, it's all over YouTube. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. There's at least three different versions of the full. I can't video. remember that. I never got to play it, but there was a horror uh, VH, VCR board game, and I can't atmos- oh. like atmosphere. Maybe was the name of it. Mm, I seem to right. remember that. Uh, and I never got to play it, but uh, now that you mentioned that, I think I'm going to have to go on YouTube and, and find the Atmosphere VHS goodies. Wow. Ooh, Dixit. I was wondering how you'd live in that, too. Of course, you live as a rabbit. Yeah. So that, there's, there's your first thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Um, Fertility if, symbol. I was, if you're not familiar with Dixit, Dixit is, I think, one of my favorite tabletop games. And it's, and it's, it's boy, is it hard to describe now that I'm thinking about it. It is. Uh, it is. The, card, the, the cards pick. all have art on yeah. them. All right. And you choose one of the cards from your hand, and you say a word or a couple of words that will represent that card. And then people look in the, oh, their own card, their own cards to see art that might represent what you just said. And then everyone has to vote on what one they thought was yours. Right. And you get points by being right or wrong, depending. It's really, really good. It's a great creative little game. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's a game of trying to guess other people's interpretation of art. You're trying to get, but if you, if you make it so obvious that everyone gets, you get no points. Yeah, you, you're you trying lose to get if, if everyone gets it. You just, yeah, you want to just focus it enough so at least one or two people can get it, one or two don't. Yeah. It's but. a clever little game. It's, it's got some, and it's got an infinite playability. Yeah, find yourself some dicks at people. Mm. It's a great yeah, yeah, game. Yeah. But I wouldn't suggest, I don't know if I'd live in it. And check out the Will Wheaton tabletop. They play that. That's oh, right. That's, that yeah. is how I learned about it. That's right. <laughs> find yourself some dicks at mm. <laughs> While Andy's looking for twat. <laughs> what? Well, I'm looking for Every twat night. mystery date. Every night. A new one. <laughs> wow. Before it gets back to Paul, you're not cleaned out in the fridge, man. We're not cleaning. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't, that's the last thing I needed to end up meeting Paul over at the bucket show and I'm cleaning out the fridge, huh? <laughs> Fuck. No, we didn't say that. He didn't. He doesn't listen to either of that's the shows, <laughs> though. So he, he said that many times. There's a lot. Like, there's a lot of scoop monkeys. It, it, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and get into news, gentlemen. All right. There'll be more emails in the future. But, but we're going to go move right on. to the other stuff. So right? here's, right to... here's the thing. Yeah. I have a lot of news you don't give a shit about. God damn it. A what? lot. A God lot. Damn you. Speed and, round. And I have a lot of regular news. What? Oh. I couldn't believe it. Right. <laughs> 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 So here's what we're going to do, gentlemen. We're okay. going to forego the normal normal way of things. I'm not going to force you to sit through all the news you don't give a shit about just to get through some, a paltry few pieces of news. Okay. We are going to let fate decide. Oh, my. All it's right. a game. What I have here is an old coin that came with the old Ultima IV in, in 1984 or five, whenever it came mm -hmm. out. Right. And it is a coin that uh, is a Britannia coin of mm -hmm. Ultima. Uh, one side has the crown. And the other side has a some kind of set of runes that is going to evoke a bad spell. Right. So, if you're going to flip the coin. If it's a crown, you're going to get some geek news. If you get the other side, nice. you're going to get news you don't give a shit about. All righty. Mm -hmm. So, who wants to be the first tempt fate? What? Well, you've already oh, predetermined oh. what the flip is going to be. So No, no, no. no. You, someone's going to flip this goddamn coin. Okay. So it's whatever it lands on is so, what you're going to get. So you might get a whole episode. So you've determined. The, so wait, you, you were flipping it before every story or no, just e one for every before every story? Really? Yes. Oh. Wow. Yeah. So. All right. Here we go. So first up. First up. What do you got? Smile, Andy. Crown. Wicked Geek. Good work. Keep saying <laughs> crown. He's not checking. <laughs> <laughs> Six crowns later, Todd's like, hey, hey, stop. I think he can hear you. Don't break my game. <laughs> Sony Pictures is moving forward with their Venom film. 
And they plan to release it in theaters on October 5th, 2018. Now, here you go. Alex Kurtzman, the writer of The Amazing Spider-Man 2 and director of Universal Pictures' upcoming reboot of The Mummy, will be directing Venom. Uh, last we heard, Dante Harper, who wrote Edge of Tomorrow, was writing the script. And the movie was being envisioned as a franchise apart from the unrelated to the upcoming Spider-Man movie in the works with actor Tom Holland. So, completely different. Venom was introduced to Marvel Comics Universe in 1988, created by writer David Michael... Michaelini? Michaelini? Here we go. And uh, artists Todd McFarlane and Mike Zeck. Pronounced Michelangelo. Yes, Michelangelo. I, might, maybe Michelini. Michelini? I don't know. That sounds right. I think uh, so. David Michelin, man. Uh, Venom is an alien symbi- symbiote that requires a human host su- to survive. The alien endows its human host with superpowers... During his run in the comics, the character has been a villain who eventually turned into an anti-hero. So I assume they go on that second round. Interesting. Are they claiming the creation from Secret Wars or from Spider-Man? I honestly don't know because mm. they're not using an MCU. So they're not making it part of this Tom Holland. No, no. I'm saying as far as calling the claiming creation because somebody created that costume and that was supposed to be his new costume. And then they retconned it to be an alien symbiote. Yeah. Right, yeah, when they did the black costume in Secret Wars, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think they're crediting the McFarland. Uh, yeah, yeah, that makes the, sense. The actual creature as right. it, as it became, yeah. right? As a character. On it, an interesting it, side note, there's a fan theory about out there about the the new film Life that's coming up. That's, it's, uh, it's it's absolutely not true, but it's a fun theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, well, because the writers, I guess, had flat out said no, but. It's it's an interesting theory, but yeah, that basically the the life form that they discover on this space station is venom. But uh, oh, oh I, I wish it was because it what a great be, way yeah, to introduce it. That would That'd be, be fun to make it a story that you didn't even realize was venom. That's what makes that so yep. damn fun. Side note about venom: Flash Thompson mm-hmm. wears uh, the venom symbiont now and fights with Guardians of the Galaxy. Does he now? Fights, in along, the comics. Uh, fights alongside them. Yep. Okay. So he's currently fully in the anti-hero mood. Yep. All right. Side note about Venom. Oh, shit. I don't really care. Oh, about okay. Venom. <laughs> Here we go. All right. Let, uh, go ahead and let somebody else toss this one. Oh. And, sh- and you're going to show me. You're going to show <laughs> me the answer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Any day, Cochise. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm freaking right-handed. You know, all right, what you got? <laughs> it what was faster with me. I saw, I saw the crown. All right, weekend geek. You lucky. Yeah, wait till Andy gets it. <laughs> oh Jesus, we're gonna it's gonna fall in the sewer. We're gonna have to Heimlich it because he swallowed it. <laughs> <laughs> Michael and Peter Spearig, the directors of the October's this upcoming Saw Legacy are setting up creative residence at the Winchester Mystery House and currently filming a new movie titled Winchester in Melbourne, Australia for CBS Films based on the maze-like mansion, Supernatural, the mansion's supernatural legacy. Uh, starring Academy Award winner Helen Mirren and Jason Clark, the Spirig brothers will head back to the States later in the shooting schedule this May and film at the real Victorian landmark. Here's the official synopsis. The film follows the story of firearms heiress Sarah Winchester, who was convic- convinced that she was haunted by the souls killed at the hands of the Winchester repeating rifle. After the sudden deaths of her husband and child, she threw herself into the 24 hours a 
threw herself into the 24 hours a day, seven days a week construction of an enormous mansion designed to keep the evil spirits at bay. But when skeptical San Francisco psychiatrist Ed Price is dispatched to the estate to evaluate her state of mind, he discovers that her obsession may not be so insane after all. Winchester will take audiences inside the labyrinth-like house that is believed to be one of the most haunted places in the world. Now, originally built in 1884 by Sarah Winchester, the unstable widow of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company, families... Making sure I'm good to the right one here. <laughs> Family's William Wirt Winchester. The sprawling house is a labyrinth in wonder. Uh, she was told by a medium that her life would be harassed by the ghosts of all the persons killed by her husband's firearm if she ever stopped construction on her home. So for 38 years, contractors and carpenters worked 24 hours a day adding on rooms, balconies, fireplaces, stairways that led nowhere, hidden chambers, closets, faults, doorways to help ward off angry phantoms. Uh, Winchester died in 1922, and the house has become a historical landmark and a tourist attraction ever since. It's pretty amazing in there. You get everyone inside. If you find yourself down there, go. It's amazing. It's in there. it's not cheap to get in anymore. It's like no. forty bucks. Seriously? Yeah, it's a chunk of change. It was nowhere. And I've, I've only went there like ten years ago. It was nowhere near that. Well, I'll check the price while we're doing other stuff. But I remember it being pretty damn expensive. Wow. two years ago. Still, it's, it's if you if you can spare the scratch. Yeah, go into it. It's. It's a great guided tour, and you can only go guided. I believe they do ghost tours there. And they actually do overnights. You can stay on the grounds, but you can't stay in the in the house now. That, that's something that's new. But you, you, what do you mean you stay on the grounds? What does that I think mean? you like, camp out in the backyard or something. <laughs> What's the point? Eh, let's let's, let's go looking. investigate the haunted house, but don't go in it. Yeah, they might do a night tour at that point. They, they probably do, but yeah, but you want to. But I understand yeah, why yeah. they're doing it. Yeah, it's yeah. a so, it's a landmark. It's beautiful in there. Yeah. There's a lot of old furnishings and right. It just takes one person to mess it up badly for yep. everybody, and yep. that's probably Isn't that the did. truth. Uh, but I don't. Has there been a movie about the Winchester House? I don't think so. I, I, I'm not aware of any. So if, I'm, if, I'm excited. If there has been, John Bean Hastings will tell us because he lives, you know, within okay. an hour of it and he's been there a few times. Uh, the Winchester House captured my imagination from a young age when I was devouring all the strange, unexplained mystery books at my local mm-hmm. library. I remember when you told me about going there after you went and just like how excited you were about yeah. it. You were telling me like it was a lifelong detail. dream come true. Yeah. yeah. And what what really excited me about as a young age was actually the D&D influence. Because Dungeons & Dragons with the maps, especially way back in the Dungeon Crawl days, mm-hmm. those maps are just full of secret doors and traps sure. and, and doorways that lead to pits. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, and this was a living embodiment of a Dungeons & Dragons map in a house. Right. Although I don't think she had any pit traps. She didn't. But no. she does have that one door that leads outdoors to like open a, air. Open yep. air. There's a Dead steep, nice touch. steep 15 drop, mm. 50 foot drop. Nice mm. touch. That's the one I remember you telling me about. Okay, you got the two and a half hour Grand Estate tour that is 34 to 44 bucks. Okay. The mansion tour where you go through 110 of the 160 rooms is 26 to 36. That's an hour and five minutes. Okay. So close to 40 bucks. So 40 bucks for the good tour. Yeah. All right. But mm. I, I think actually I had the cheaper tour. So when I went, that makes more sense about what the price uh, yeah. I paid, especially if 10 years ago, that makes a little more sure. sense. Yeah. So, but it's it's definitely worth it once. But I, I was going by for the second time and I'm like, mm, no, I've seen it once. I don't. <clears throat> I'll hang out in the gift store and see the weird shit here. I have to really pay attention to which ones I'm covering. In these notes, oh, right? this, this is the fun. Uh-oh. All right. 
I made it a little Get difficult ready. for myself. Okay. First of all, these, these runes as you described them appear to be some sort of ancient summoning circle. Yeah, which, it's just yeah, which makes perfect sense. Well, it was it. really funny when I saw that because actually the crown side has runes is, on this it. Is true. So mm-hmm. I was like, "What the hell is he talking?" That's about? That's why I said crown, just to be sure. Mm-hmm. All right, and, and those runes actually say something. There was a, a full, I'm gonna a, a full runic up. alphabet. I'm going to flip it onto the floor so I can keep holding my mic. I like this plan. Plus, I'm the one. That's a like crown, a my friend. Yes, wow, that is a crown. I'm really impressed right now. PlayStation 3s are finally going out of production. The console has been on sale since 2006. And the last round of models have rolled out of Japan, and Sony has indicated they will not be making any more. The console that initially shunned by its high cost and uh, more appealing Xbox 360 would go on to hit 83.8 million in a lifetime sales next to 360... Uh, next to Xbox 360's 84 million, so they almost hit equal numbers on their their sales when it came down to the end. I'm I'm interested to see if they had numbers on the actual install base because I remember like the the original consoles, like the one that I have, mm-hmm. uh, had like hard drive problems and motherboard problems, and sure. people just bought like the newer slim models to replace them. So in some cases, they were buying replacements. Two and, yeah, two sure. and three consoles for a single. You know, television hookup, if oh, you will. So. Right. Although I will say, if I'm going to replace my system, and if it's not a newer model, if it's for the same model, yeah, I would go for a used system. I know those aren't tracked in this yeah. thing, so. Yeah. But that's just my mindset. Maybe if you're a Richie, you get you know you just buy all the PlayStation threes you need. I'm actually amazed ours is still working. It's impressive because we have an original model PS3. Yeah. It's almost ten years old now, and it's it's still kicking butt. It scares me so much. In fact, it's like precariously set up. I'm amazed we haven't knocked it down. I bought it at Circuit <laughs> City before they went out of business. Wow, that tells you. That tells you something. Well, wow. Because it was on sale when I got it. It was like 100 bucks off, and it included a second controller and the uh, the Bluetooth uh, um, Blu-ray remote. So it was like, it was, at oh, the time, I it, remember was, it was a remotes. deal too good to pass up. <laughs> You know, every time I have to sit there to watch Netflix off my Xbox, I was just thinking that yesterday. It's like... I miss the fucking remotes. I will say, that remote for that PS3 is the best remote I've ever seen for any any entertainment system. I mean, we still use it. It's yeah. awesome. We got the remote for the PS4. It's nowhere near as good. Hmm. Nowhere yeah, it's, near. It's missing some functionality. Some. Lots. Well, <laughs> I, I think it's not a problem with the remote so much as the way that Sony designed the console because... I went hunting for some of the functions that were on the PS3 remote, and they're in there, but they're buried deep in menus. So I'm thinking that the reason they did that with the Bluetooth remote is that it wasn't directly accessible with the APIs that they had set up for the. I'm a closed caption guy. Yes, yes, you are. Whether it's I'm watching television, whether I'm watching movies, uh, foreign or otherwise, I like to have the captioning on there. If for no other reason, in case somebody says something mumbled on there that I missed, mm-hmm. I can read it real quick and continue on without going backed up. What do you say? What do you say? What do you say? And me, I'll do it two or three times before I turn the captioning sure. on. I'm like, and what if, the fuck did he just and, say? And if somebody's asleep, you know, that's just a way of keeping the volume down and I can see what's going on. Although it does sometimes give away like little subtle clues, like there's, you know, you hear, you see the mark that says, Soft music creeping up in the background. Or something. <laughs> this know, is true. They'll be, they'll be like, I didn't hear that. Oh, now I can hear it. It was supposed to come up slowly. Okay. Well, <laughs> there is that. Yeah. Uh, and what's great about that remote is you press a button. It's there. It's on. You're good. Mm-hmm. And that's just not there in the other remote. It's. We were at the uh, the Mongolian barbecue place tonight, and 
and Jeff was looking over at the screen trying to read what was going on on the on a news story, and the closed captions were covering up the yeah. uh, what was it? The uh, it's called the Chiron. It's Chiron. that little it's that little banner that's yeah. on the bottom that shows what the story is because it was breaking news and it was happening, I guess, live at that point. Well, the closed captioning was scrolling right over the top of it, so you couldn't. And because it was translating live, there was a delay, so you couldn't see what they were talking about directly because you know they, they passed it, and sometimes the person translating was missing a line or two. And that's and, why I can't do and it for live shows. And it was right over the top <laughs> of the Chiron. So I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, okay, somebody was just convicted. Oh, no. Okay, convicted of... Okay, and sentence. Sentence. Okay, sentence to sentence to. Every oh, time it would refresh, death. it would cover up the important yeah. part of the word. Yeah, <laughs> and sometimes it was refreshing. Like it'd be like a page and a half of information that would be on for like a split second and then disappear. <laughs> so it's like ah, can't even tell what's going on. Oh, I think it's time for another flip, guys. All right. Oh boy, what you got? This is, is that another goddamn crown? It's another crown. Yep, I think it's the way to, the way the coins weighted. <laughs> <laughs> Here, while you're reading, I'll, I'll do some test flips. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I might have shot myself in the foot for doing a, for using a kitschy coin. Yeah, test flips is my Cirque du Soleil cover band. <laughs> what do you got right now? Okay, I just did four flips in a row with the rune side. So <laughs> you you keep, you're getting to keep the coin, Jeff. Good, use them up. <laughs> use all those flips up. Oh no, four yeah. news we don't give a shit about. Actually, this is this is. Geek news, but it's very sad news because mm. we lost two very important artists mm. this week. Yes, we did. Uh, first one, Jay Lynch. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a artist, writer, satirist, central figure in the underground comics revolution of the '60s and '70s. Uh, he passed away at the age of 72. You probably best know him as one of the main artists for the Garbage Pail Kids and Wacky yep. Packages from Tops. I met him. Did you? Yeah. He's also, I, a Mad I, Magazine. I, think I had dinner artist. with him. Seriously? Yeah, I think that's who it was. I think I did. Oh, when Jeez. did you have dinner with him? Oh maybe? yeah, yeah, man. About twenty years ago. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it took you that long to, to for the poison to work. That's yes, right. Slow acting poison. <laughs> and also, we lost Bernie Wrightson. Yeah, an yes. amazing comic book yeah. artist. Oh yes, artist. I think he might have been the first comic book artist I knew the name of because his style was so distinctive. You knew it, and he he had a way with detail that oh. is unparalleled. Probably the closest that came to it was McFarlane. As far as a level of detail, but nowhere McFarlane near. McFarlane could never get that yeah. cross hatching. He yeah. was the king of cross hatching. Um, his uh, he did a book with Stephen King, a werewolf book, where all the illustrations were amazing. Uh, that would be uh, what the, the movie would be, Silver Bullet, right? Uh, but uh, Cycle of the Werewolf that's is the it. name of the book. Oh, gorgeous artwork! I have his Frankenstein. That mm. is an amazing. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to see Bernie Wright's in art, that is just Bernie that cover and. Yeah, and and of course he, where we first saw him in comics, the first place he was making his name was Swamp Thing. Yeah, he's uh, co-created the yeah co-created Swamp Thing. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Uh, he started in House of Mystery issue one seventy nine, nineteen sixty eight. So he died at the age of sixty eight years old. Bernie Wrightson, huge name yeah. in comic art. Uh, he was, I think, he might have been at the last um, Comic Con, the last San Diego Comic Con I went to. Oh yeah. I know I saw him when he was in his decline. I know his, his, he was in a bad shape last time I saw him. Yeah, I think we but lost I, I both never, these guys to cancer. I never talked to him, and that's one of those things that it's like, by the time I, saw, I actually saw him at a convention, he was so far gone that it was like, oh, what can I say to this guy at this point? It's just, you know. 
uh, painful watching them go away. Absolutely. All right, flip it. Flip it, Mr. Flip it real M- good. Mr. Sidney. Flippy McFlipperton. Goddamn crown. Yes! Yes. You lied when you said you no, get four I didn't. Rooms, did you? I really did not. I really did get four in a row, and I was like, Ugh. he used up all the bad rolls. And everyone at home is like, yes, yes, all right, fine. Hollywood relies on huge backlogs of projects, treatments, screenplays, pitches, and impromptu notions, and the majority of these aborted, never developed productions remain in a dusty state of rest, somewhere between development hell and lost interest. A new documentary series called Untold Horrors focuses on these forgotten projects once nurtured and loved by major horror directors, now discarded, neglected, or ignored due to a number of unfortunate circumstances such as studio firings, creative control issues, and economical mishaps. Interesting. The documentary series shed light on the greatest horror movies never made and examines the sad stories behind these abandoned projects via new interviews with famous fright filmmakers like George Romero, John Landis, Ta- Takeshi Miike, uh, Richard Raphorst, and William Lustig. Here's the official description. The goal is to explore the sometimes tortured relationships between arts and commerce in the most compelling genre of them all. Beyond this, the label will form partnerships to bring untold horror to other mediums with a blog a book series, art show, live readings, and more. What happened to David Cronenberg's Frankenstein, Roger Avery's legendary Phantasm script, the dozens of Romero projects announced over the years that disappeared? Why couldn't the combined powers of Guillermo del Toro, James Cameron, and Tom Cruise create At the Mountains of Madness? Has there ever been an unmade film with more talent attached to it than the Creature from the Black Lagoon remake? Why did these passion projects die, and what killed them? Untold horrors. So it's the other side of the coin of how did this get made? Yes. Mm-hmm. How it's, did this not get made? Mm-hmm. Well, it's, <laughs> it's very in a similar vein as to the uh, uh, the death of Superman lives. What happened? Sure. Yeah. That was just on Showtime recently again. So. So this is a. I'm not sure what. Uh, if it's even attached to a network or distribution hub, but. Uh, but as soon as I know, you will know. Absolutely. Very I love cool. those kinds of documentaries. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. guessing this ends up somewhere mm-hmm. like Hulu, though. This, this seems like a Hulu kind of joint. Mm-hmm. I remember in film school talking uh, with some, some writers, and they said that like when you're first starting out, your only goal is to sell something because you, you're starving. You, you want to pay your rent. You want to you know, at least say that you have sold a script because once you've sold a script, it's easier to get meetings and so forth. So... Um, I do remember them saying that uh, it's amazing. Like sometimes you'll sell a script, ten years later you've completely, you know, forgotten or just completely written it off as a possibility of getting made, and then you see elements have been rolled into some other story. So, you know, studios will buy scripts left and right. You know, sometimes for a modest fee, sometimes for a very decent fee, and then a lot of times, just like that that article said, they shelve them, yeah. and then. They'll either never get made, and sometimes they get made into pieces of another project, and sometimes they get made, you know, 20 years later, you know, yeah. when, you know, they don't have to pay, you know, this writer or something. Or even more so, uh, just buy an option from yeah. 
I, and I book author, a comic book author, mm-hmm. and then just not do anything with that option for years until it falls yeah. back out of contract and the yep. author can sell it to someone who might yeah. make it this or time. Or buy the option for the really good novel and make a really bad movie that has nothing to do yeah. with the novel <laughs> yes. so they don't make that movie that's going to compete with yours, Stranger Tides. What you also don't mm-hmm. often hear about is a lot of times, you know... A lot of studios are known for, you know, the types of films they make. Like, Universal used to be known as the, you know, the monster filmmaker. And then, you know, et cetera. So, sometimes studios will buy scripts so that other studios won't make those films. And it's just a matter of they don't want it to be a hit. So, they, you know, let's say Paramount would buy a monster movie script because they didn't want Universal to make this and make money. So it used to be really, it doesn't happen as much now, but it used to be like really, really cutthroat. Mm-hmm. Like they would, you know, they would say, oh, this is a script that could make this studio a lot of money. We know we can't make this the way that they would. So we buy it, you know, for an exorbitant fee, put it on the shelf, and then no one will ever see it ever. It sounds like a blockbuster for colossal pictures. Yep. Buy that thing. Yep. And you're talking about, you know, making the bad film to keep the option. Yeah. That's how we got the last Fantastic Four movie. Yeah. yeah. And, and that and, was only made the, because the they were going to lose and, the option. And the last two Spider-Man films yes. prior to uh, the Homecoming that's mm. coming up. It, it explains a lot of the really horrible mm-hmm. superhero movies you have seen. Yeah, so. it's like it, they're they're willing to lose more on making a bad film than to lose the option to keep going. It's a crazy goddamn business. Wow. It really is. I, I will take this format of documentary for about any film genre that exists. Oh, yeah. Frankly. Absolutely. This has green wheels forever, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Andy. All right, Andy. Here oh, you go. Pressure's so on. It comes the flip. It's going to be all pressure's your fault. On. It's a crown. Are yes! you serious? <laughs> okay, that is awesome. <laughs> Wait, yeah. now, wait, if Andy got a crown, that means that with my luck, I'm going to get back around to me and it'll it'll be... Just flip it four or five times before we get to the middle Okay, one. there you go. Get I just want to I just let everyone know I'm having a real Rosencrantz and Guildenstern yes. moment right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shall we play a game of questions? <laughs> Week in Geek. George Lazenby. Yes. The only actor to play James Bond a single time. Yes. Lazenby was picked out of nowhere by producers Albert Broccoli and Harry Stoltzman to replace Sean Connery. Connery quit the series following his fifth term in uh, 1967's You Only Live Twice. Mm -hmm. An Australian model with no previous acting experience, Lazenby impressed the producers enough to win the part and star in 1969 on Her Majesty's Secret Service. But although he was offered a lucrative contract to play Bond for several more films... Lazenby walked away, and Connery was lured back for one more mission in Diamonds Are Forever. So what happened? A new documentary called Becoming Bond aims to explore just that. Interesting. Utilizing interviews with Lazenby himself and reenactment starring actors such as Jeff Garland and Jake Johnson, the movie sets out to tell the story of how Lazenby got the part and then threw it away, effectively sending himself back into obscurity. Now, Becoming Bond premiered at South by Southwest, but we'll arrive on Hulu, like I said, a good place for these things, on May 20th. They nice. did a, they did a great Bond uh, documentary. Uh, that I covers think, the whole thing, right? Yeah. yeah. With, with, I think it was around the time of Casino Royale. That right, sounds with, right. With what's yep. his name? Where everybody but Connery was interviewed. Yeah, and they mm. even interviewed Lazenby. Yeah, Lazenby. And he, he talked to, frankly, he's like, yeah, I pissed it away. 
Yeah. I wow. totally fucking shit it right out and destroyed myself. He talked a little bit about why he did it at the time and you know how you know it was just a young man's mistake. Yeah. You know, but yeah. But yeah. I thought I was Bond, you know. You're not going to get it done without me. Mm. I'm off. Lazenby's yeah. actually one of my favorite Bonds when it comes I, I, down to it. I don't it. think I've actually ever seen that I've one. I've never seen it. I love on Magic Secret Service because it's one, it's a little quirky. On the other side of it, it's also a downer. Okay. Yeah, it really is. It is the That's only one where his wife dies. The all only, the time in the world. All the time in the world. And in my opinion, Lazenby has the look of how I think Bond should look. He looks like Bond to me. Not quirky like Roger Moore quirky. Though. No. Okay. No. I mean, <sighs> just quirky because he's new at this. You could see him growing into mm-hmm. it. But Telly Savalas <laughs> is a Blofeld uh. in this. But it's the story isn't as fanciful as the ones prior and certainly not as fanciful as they went. But it's just kind of a middle-of-the-road, down-to-earth Bond. Although it does have that one really great moment where... Bond looks at the camera and addresses the audience. That's really it's a nice moment. Fourth wall break. Fourth wall break. This never happened wow. to the other guy. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> so it lends itself real well to that whole overarching theory of James Bond is a code name yes. versus a person. Which I love. Yeah. God, I can't, idea. There was a this TV show, I don't know if it was Outer Limits or like New Twilight Zone, but it was in the eighties. And Lazenby is, I, I think I've mentioned it on the show before, but he's a clearly a secret agent type. And the other characters in the show keep calling him Mr. James and then either get cut <laughs> off or in some cases they get killed. Adorable. He's like, ah, oh, yeah, Mr. James. Blah. And I'm, I'm looking it up trying to see if I can yeah. find it, but I've only seen it like twice in my lifetime and it's been probably 30 Man, years. This could but, be it. Uh, I'm going to get this. All, All right, right, the coin flip. I'm Hang starting on. to get disheartened here. Hang on. Oh, don't be disheartened. I'm already there. What do you got? What is it? What is it? <gasps> it's, oh, thank goodness. You bastard. The, the one. Suffer, Andy. The one. <laughs> because there's, I got at least to get through some of these, for God's sake. I'm not yeah, posting please. that till, till after these the These are only going to last till later. Warner Brothers is planning to enter the Matrix again. News you don't give a shit about. <laughs> Just in case you didn't know. Yeah. It was first reported as being a reboot, and then Zach, uh, the writer, Zach Penn, jumped in, clarified that it wouldn't be a reboot, and likened what they were planning to do to the Animatrix anthology. Uh, judging from what Penn said, this next Matrix film will be set in the already existing universe that the Wachowskis built in their first trilogy. Uh, the next film could tell any kind of story in this universe with any number of characters at any point in time. Uh, the rumor has surfaced, and again, this is a rumor, and saying that it's from Birth Movie's death, take it as a rumor, that offers some possible information as what the movie will be about. According to them, this could be a film that centers around a young Morpheus. Uh, they say that Warner Brothers has been interested in this concept for a long time, The site claims the news news comes from two independent sources, and those sources say that the studio has, quote, established a writer's room, and our further understanding is that this Morpheus idea is one of several being kicked around, unquote. So if they've established a writer's room, that means they're looking to franchise it further. Yep. Um, Morpheus, of course, the original mentor, teacher to Neo in The Matrix, played by Lawrence Fishburne. Michael B. Jordan uh, would probably be the one to take the role of young Morpheus because he is the only actor 
who has been named to be attached to the project so far. Prequel. I mean, we know what happens. Why not do Morpheus Jr., the son of Morpheus and Niobe? Oh. You know? And 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 this is in Zion 25, 30 years later. Oh. I don't know. I have so little interest in the Matrix anymore. Yeah. The the two sequels just ripped it all out of me. Yeah. It's, it's not funny. a world 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 I want to play in anymore. It's funny. I really, really liked Matrix Two. I really did. Two was all right. But when it gets That's the one with the ghost, right? It's yeah, and the key master. Yeah, yeah, and that, that the, is that the one that ends with the long speech, the the long monologue between the guy that was the head. It looks like George Carlin. No, that that's uh, that that's that's reloaded. That's three. Okay, because mm. I, mm. yeah, as it went on, the Ayn Rand moment. I mean, the first. One oh, the, I see the architect. Yeah, that's the one. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, it, no. It's funny. I love that bit. Hmm. Does does not work for me. Just made it uninteresting. Of course, the third one, uh, Neo Jesus. I'm I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. So I, I just and and sure the Animatrix. It's a, it's an it's an interesting world that they built. Uh, Animatrix is a hit or miss. If you've seen that, all these nine animated shorts based in that world. Yeah. I don't care if it rains or freezes as long as I got my Neo Jesus. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> And because, so, yeah, let them do the Matrix, but I doubt I'll, I'll go. And because we've long passed it and nobody cares anymore, the epi- it was an episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Oh, those that were good. George Lazenby was in oh, okay. as Mr. James. Wow. Blank. In 1989, I, apparently. I would not have gotten that. I didn't realize that was on in 89. They I remember watching it in the 80s, but I didn't realize it was so late. In the they, like, they, it, they had the original Alfred Hitchcock Presents in like the 50s, 50s and 60s. 60s. Right. And then it like went away for a while, and they had that 80s revival. And uh, it was okay. That I was mean, really had, a time. had some fun episodes, yeah. For, for genre anthology shows. Well, that's when Outer Limits came back, and then they had the new Twilight Zone. Amazing stories. Amazing stories. Monsters, Freddy's, yes. Nightmares. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus, there were so many of those, and and most of them did fairly well. And then then just all of a sudden they fizzled. Just I, either the networks gave up on them, and you know it's like so anti-network too to give up on something that's actually giving decent returns. But I know a lot of them went into syndication see, too. See, the complication with it is no reason to watch them the next episode. There's no through story. There's no characters to follow. So it's easy it's disposable for the drop television. Off. Yeah, it's easy to avert the drop off, I guess. Maybe it's a the, they didn't see a syndication future in it. Mm. Well, a lot of them were released only in syndication, if I remember correctly. Mm. Did you or ever, some of them rather? Did either you, any of you guys ever see the Night Gallery? Yeah, mm-hmm. that was yeah. creepy shit. I think I have it on DVD. If you want to really? revisit that. Oh my god, I want to do that. By Not this week, but man, sure. do I want to when do you're that. You're feeling it. Oh. Night Gallery. All right. Pressure on. If Green Fingers uh, is before, on there, before I Before we not continue sleep. with the flip, I just want to say for the record, because I brought it up, Freddy's Nightmares. Mm-hmm. I'm a biggest Freddy fan. He's my favorite horror icon. That show is terrible. Well, mm. Freddy was just the, you know, the host. He, he, here's the he did he the intro the, and, the, and the outro. Was he basically the, uh, the, uh, the, the creep show yeah, guy? Yeah, he, he was the creep keeper, yeah. definitely. Yeah. But here's the thing. The show was better because there were Freddy episodes. Were there? Yes, there were. I never saw one of the, the first. Episodes. The first one was the most notorious, but there there was a couple they sprinkled in there. But most of them, you're right, they weren't Freddy centric. 
but the ones that didn't have Freddy in it were actually the better ones. Mm. It was not a good show, but I'd still buy it on DVD if it came out because it's goddamn Freddy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Flip a All coin. Right, here we go. Oh, look at that. More wow. bad news. Damn you. Way to go, Kirsten. It's all, all your right. fault. You it's used up all the mojo. Fault. Yeah, it's swinging the other way now. News you don't give a shit about. There's already been rumblings that production on Warner Brothers' The Batman would be bumped to 2018 due to director Reeves' prior commitment to Planet of the Apes franchise and Affleck's current treatment for alcohol addiction. Now, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's having treatment. Again. Yep. Now it sounds like it could take even longer. With the studio scrapping the script what? and looking to rewrite the project from scratch. Ow. Slash Film reports the script is being rewritten from the ground up, so it's possible that everything you've heard about the project could be out the window, even Deathstroke. The current version of the script was hashed out largely by Affleck with Chris Terrio and Jeff Johns, uh, though no word on if some of that work will be salvaged or if it will be all gone. Regardless, it doesn't bode well for the fans wanting to see this film anytime soon. Warner Brothers eyed a potential 2018 release date for this, though now it seems that's going to be impossible. If everything works out, 2019 is likely the earliest you'll get a new Dark Knight film. Uh, <laughs> and considering DC's track record thus far, I wouldn't hold any breaths. But we still that, got Wonder Woman, right? That'd be yep. funny. Yeah, that's Wonder a Woman track. takes off and they put out a sequel and it's running strong and all the others are just swinging and missing, whiffing and just... Right. And but there's Wonder Woman. She's just running around with her neon glowy armpits. Mm. Did you hear about that? No. Yeah. Please talk to me about neon glowy armpits. I don't even fully understand it, Andy. Um, Latest Wonder trailer. Woman, Wonder Woman's armpits are not shaved. I mean, they are they're they're shaved rather. Okay. And and that's freaking some people out in the feminist well, world. But it's also it's also in certain positions. Her armpits have actually been digitally lightened. Really? It looks oh. like she literally looks like she stood in a she was in a tanning booth with her arms clenched to her side. So <laughs> oh. every part of her body is tan except for her armpits and her arms are above her head, you know, like this. Sure. Swing a, a sword, sword or, or sure. But they digitally lighten and people are saying they're doing that to wipe her creases and smooth it it, it just it, looks it, bizarre. It, it's bizarre. Huh. It is so bizarre. <laughs> yep. but, and and yeah, people. Why would an Amazon shave her arm? And it's like you know, armpits aren't the only place women grow hair, folks. Mm-hmm. Well, why are not, her legs smooth? And people forget that you know, it, there's a lot of Greek and Roman mythology blended into Wonder Woman's history. Mm-hmm. And the Greeks and the Romans were one of the first to shave body hair because they believed that it kept down odor so it's not unrealistic that that would have taken place that's right and even men in uh in rome would shave their armpits and if she's greek then she's gonna have upper lip hair (laughs) (laughs) that was kirsten that said that i have Ah, nothing to do with that uh, you know what i I guess but it comes down to it if that's your argument if you show me the comic book with her hairy pits yeah there you go so Wow, Torgo with the mic drop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was some somebody it's a comic on, book movie. If it's in the comic book, sure. Somebody on some thread I saw, some woman on said, Themiscarians don't have to shave. Ah. <laughs> 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 
Well, if they're goddesses, then, mm. you know, they can do what they want. You know, Next. Kids, I think we have time for one more. One more flip, so you who's, better who's make who's it a goddamn good one. Is it Andy? Andy. Oh. Andy. 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 Yes. It's a yes. crown. Yes. Oh. It's a crown. Winner, Apparently winner, you and I are the dinner. only losers on here. <laughs> I think that makes us winners, Jeff. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, I, I think you're winners. Yeah, see? I'm calling that no The winner. winner it's you. <laughs> Stephen King has announced he'll have another new book out this year in collaboration with his son, Owen. Owen is also in the family business, unlike Joe Hill. His work so far... Well, Unlike, sorry. What? That's a great use of punctuation. Did he change his last name to This was obviously not written by a king. Owen is also in the family business, semicolon. Unlike Joe, his work so far, a 2005 collection of stories called We're All in This Together in a 2013 novel titled Double Feature, has fallen more under the banner of literary mainstream fiction, whereas Joe Hill writes in the genres their dad is best known for. Does he go under Owen King, or did he, he does go does by he Owen his last name to Cash? <laughs> no, it's Owen King. Okay. For the collaboration, Sleeping Beauties, it's called. Uh, it seems Owen will also be playing in Dad's genre. Here's the synopsis: In a future so real and near, it might be now. Something happens when women go to sleep; they become shrouded in a cocoon-like gauze. If they are awakened. If the gauze wrapping their bodies is disturbed or violated, the women become feral and spectacularly violent. And while they sleep, they go to another place. The men of our world are abandoned, left to their increasingly primal devices. One woman, however, the mysterious Evie, is immune to the blessing or curse of the sleeping disease. Is Evie a medical anomaly to be studied, or is she a demon who must be slain? Set in a small Appalachian town whose primary employer is a woman's prison, Sleeping Beauties is a wildly provocative, gloriously absorbing father-slash-son collaboration between King and King. The book is 720 pages long, putting it in the ballpark of epics like Under the Dome and The Stand. Uh, the book makes its first makes the first time that Stephen and Owen King will publish fiction together. Now, Stephen and Joe have published two stories, Throttle and In the Tall Grass, while the brothers wrote a screenplay together a few years back called Fade Away that remains unproduced. Sleeping Beauties will arrive September 26th. Huh. Mm. I'm excited. Although, you know, I, I get there. there's parallels there to, like, why the, ex, the, why the next man and last man. Mm-hmm. I can't even get that name right. And Hell Comes to Frogtown. No, wait, it's the other way around. And Hell Comes to Frogtown. Frog Comes to Helltown? Hell Comes to Frogtown. <laughs> Frog X, the All wide the men last town. <laughs> But I'm I'm uh, I'm excited to see this collaboration. I've never read anything of Owen King. Um, just it, it's got to be a really something that captures my imagination to go to general literature mm-hmm. in general, quirky characters, something. <laughs> general literature and me, nah, we don't get along all that well. So now I can read this one though. But this one isn't going to be general literature. This mm-hmm. is obviously in science fiction slash horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, Andy. Uh, Seven hundred twenty pages. You I know, like wrapped in gauze. They go feral. Yeah, cocoons. One last, you know, EV. That, that oh, this ha- is cocoon that has three. With you and your woman. Sorry, that hasn't happened with you and your woman. 
Because no. <laughs> that's us being. Yeah, they have yeah. wrapped up. In, it's just you. In the strands They're wrapped Andy. up in gauze before <laughs> he dumps them in a hole in the desert. <laughs> mystery day. Better that than plastic twin peaks. <laughs> that's the mystery. We're all living Where in Where are Andy's they board the next game. day? <laughs> What's your board game? Write to us. Comments at uglycouchshow.com. Gee, so. officer, I was bored. <laughs> I was just going to say, just spelled B-O-R-E-D. Instead of Andy's board game. <laughs> I'm bored. Well, let's do something fun. Yes, let's. Where's the gauze? <laughs> Well, until next week, I'm Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. I'll <laughs> <laughs> talk to you next week in Geek. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> that, that, the phrase in Andy's home that instills fear, <laughs> bring me the gauze. <laughs> I've decided the, ga- the game that I would not want to live my life is Andy's board game. <laughs> the, the game of Andy's life. <laughs> Too late. You're already living it. Damn it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. <laughs> a coin operated boy with a pretty coin operated voice saying that he loves me, that he's thinking of me, straight up to the point. That is why I want a coin. <laughs>